For those of you who may not know me, my name is Pastor Pablo. I have the privilege of serving here at Grace Assembly of God as a youth and family pastor. And so uh, uh, I'll be bringing the word today. And so let's just uh, open up in a quick word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for who you are, God. Lord, right now, personally, I want to thank you for everything that you've done in my life for me to be right where I am today, God. And Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy that is anew to me every day, God. I pray, Father, that, Lord, as uh, I move forward in the preaching of the word that you have dropped in my heart, Lord, that, uh, God, everything that is done and said today, Lord, would, be, uh, would do nothing but glorify your name, edify your church, and challenge us, Lord, uh, to live a life uh, according to the word of God, uh, that, you have, that you died, Jesus, for us to live. And so I just pray, Father, be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, I'm, I'm very interactive, and so one of the things that I always like to do is ask questions, and you know, if it applies to you, you can raise your hand, and so uh, I'm super curious this morning if uh, there's anybody here who is, who is exactly like me in that whenever you're going to try something new, whenever you're going to try and do something that you might consider a little scary or intimidating or something that you normally uh, wouldn't find yourself doing by yourself, uh, you, you need a hype person with you. Is, is there anybody like that? You know, you need that friend that's with you who's going to be like, hey, this is actually like going to be cool or this is going to be exciting or, you know, this is a good thing. And, you know, I've discovered throughout my short uh, tenure in life uh, I'm only 28, but I've discovered in my short tenure in life that sometimes hype people can be great in, in, in convincing you to do uh, some pretty exciting new things, and then sometimes hype people cannot be so great in like having you do dumb things. Is that you know true for anybody? Yeah? Am I the only one? Wow, awkward. My hands. All right, I'm going to put that right back down. Um, so, no, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm so uh, like that. I need uh, positive hype people to influence me. A couple years ago, uh, when, when I was preaching, I, I shared a story about how I went on my first roller coaster ever uh, at Six Flags New England, and uh, I was one of the first there uh, with my buddy who, who I went with, and uh, because we were the first there, he's like, hey, the first thing we got to do is tackle the biggest ride because in like a couple hours, it's going to take you a couple hours to just enjoy that, you know, 45 seconds of ride. So uh, we went uh, on uh, the, the Bizarro, which is uh, formerly known as the Superman in uh, Six Flags New England, and uh, I was terrified. I was terrified and I thought about turning back, but he's like, no, just it'll be fine. If you do this one, here's, here's perspective, Pablo, he tells me. If you are able to get on this one, all the rest is going to be cake for you. It's going to be easy. And so I'm like... I can't argue with logic. So I went on the biggest ride, and as we're getting closer and closer, you know, there, there was the final exit. You ever, you ever go on a ride where it's like, hey, this is the final, like, chance for you to leave if you don't want to do this as you get closer and closer? And uh, um, I didn't leave. Uh, he, was, he was influenced. He's like, you're going to love it. It's going to be great and all that stuff. And uh, when we were, like, maybe 10 spots away from us going, that's when he revealed the news to me. Hey, by the way, we're going to be in the front seat. You know, this is, I've never been on a ride before, and I was horrified. And uh, uh, we go on the roller coaster. It was awesome and awful at the same time. I experienced my stomach being in my throat. It was great. Um, and if you want to, I shared a picture a couple years ago when I, when I used this illustration. But uh, if you want to see that picture, it's somewhere on my Facebook. You can do a little digging around if you want it, and you can see my face of sheer horror and terror. And it wasn't even the ride that freaked me out. It was, you know, that slow climb. What an anxiety, what, what, the most anxiety-driven moment of my life was, I'm gonna die, oh my gosh, and, and it's happening slowly. 
Uh, I don't know, and I'm, I'm looking at my friend, like, you're not even my friend, like, you know, and all that. And then when we got off, we were okay. Uh, we were friends again. But uh, so I needed, I needed a hype person to convince me to get on that roller coaster because I wouldn't have done it by myself. Or, you know, if, you've, uh, if, if you're a thrill, thrill seeker, uh, if you've ever gone cliff jumping or anything like that into a large body of water, that is super fun as well. And it's, it's fun to have uh, great people around uh, to help hype you up and just have fun uh, and stuff like that in a safe way, safe way. Um, try something new, uh, maybe a tryout of sorts of something that you might want to get into or something that you might want to pursue or start doing, maybe a hobby or whatever it be. Uh, eat uh, a, a different kind of food. We, we need hype people to eat different kinds of foods uh, just because I naturally am a creature of habit. I'm the guy who will go to, you know, let's say Red Robin or something like that and be like, hey, I'm not going to order my usual that I've been ordering for the last five years. I'm going to, I have it set in my mind. I'm going to look at the menu and, uh, you know, I, I have something picked and then when the waitress comes over, I panic and I like order the same thing that I've been ordering for the last five years. Uh, and so I need hype people who are very intentional, like, no, try something new, you know, try. And so uh, I, I need people like that in my life. Um, or how about this? Uh, we need hype people in our life sometimes, you know, if, if let's say, you know, you're single and, you know, you, you, somebody makes your heart skip a beat or something like that and, you know, you want to go talk to that individual, you need hype people to be like, hey, go talk to them, you know, go put yourself out there. I remember uh, Rachel and I, we started dating when I was 17 years old uh, and so we've been together for 11 years now, just about 11 years and, um, I remember just my friends like, hyping it up, like, just talk to her, blah, 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 like, you know she likes you, and you, you know you like her, and it was just, again, one of those things where I needed my hype people uh, in my corner to help me get to that place of boldness and confidence to just, you know, be able to uh, uh, tell her that I like her, and hey, 11 years later, here we are, right? Isn't that awesome? And terrifying? Uh, it's crazy that it's already been 11 years, but um, regardless of the circumstance, just having the presence of someone you know and trust who you know they have your back uh, and, and are, are, are for you gives you a sense of uh, confidence, a boost of confidence, boldness uh, uh, in a situation that you may or may not have tried when you were by yourself. Now, this also, like I said, goes for the opposite way. When uh, I remember uh, many times when I was uh, a dumb teenager, um, or, or a dumb kid, and one person in the friend group would, you know, find an opportunity for like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we did this? And then you and your mind are like, man, that sounds like fun, but then let's also talk about the potential dangers or the potential trouble that we can get in. And all it took uh, when I was a teenager was for somebody to say, but it'd be fun, right? All right, let's do it. You know what I mean? And so uh, the same influence can not necessarily be that great. But regardless of the circumstance, uh, when you have somebody who know, you know has your back and is for you, it gives you confidence you know, and, and a boost um, of, of boldness in any given situation. And the same thing can be said in life about some more serious aspects of life. Like when you're, going to the, uh, when you're going to college, when you're going to the college, right? When you're going to college for the first time and, and you're going to be on your own. Uh, I remember when I was 18 and I was going to college, it was literally the first time that I had ever been on my own. I was up to, it was up to me what my schedule was going to be for the day, uh, when I was going to study, when I was going to eat. Uh, I discovered, uh, you know, very, very quickly that everything uh, I, that, that entails living 
was, uh, was up to me whether I was going to do it or not and stuff. And so I'm very thankful for my mom uh, having instilled things like doing my own laundry when I was like 11 years old. You know, as an 11 year old, I'm like, man, I don't want to do my own laundry. But when I got to college, I discovered how many college students don't know how to do their own laundry. And I was like, thank you, mom, for instilling that discipline within me. I hated it at the time, but now I know that it's a necessity. So uh, if, if you're anything like me, laundry is very important. Amen. Praise God for washing machines. Um, but so going to college, being on your own for the first time, maybe for college students, you know, and I'll, I'll eventually get out of the college realm, but uh, maybe for college students, I know that finals are coming up, right? This, this is a big moment where you just need people, a, a community around you to just support you, say, hey, you got this. Hey, you've been going to classes, at least you should have been going to classes all semester and learning what you need to learn and study what you need to study so that you can successfully uh, uh, finish this semester and do well and allow the fruits of your labor, the fruits of your studying uh, be, be demonstrated through your grading that you get and such uh, and stuff. Or maybe you're applying for a job and you just need a good community of people around you just hyping you up, uh, just uh, encouraging you as you put yourself out there and apply for many different positions. Uh, I remember when I was going to ask uh, Rachel's father for his blessing to marry her. I was so scared. Uh, and I, I had a good community of friends at college who knew that it was happening over winter break and I was meeting him at a Dunkin' Donuts and I almost stopped at a separate Dunkin' Donuts to use the bathroom because that's how nervous I was. Uh, and I was just, you know, again, uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me let you know who my father-in-law, I love my father-in-law, but at the time he was terrifying. <laughs> he runs like eight miles for fun, right? Uh, he used to be an inmate anger management counselor. Uh, he was also the associate pastor of the church that I was going to, uh, and he just got his brown belt recently in Krav Maga. So that's my father-in-law. Um, and so uh, he can be an intimidating guy, but uh, no, uh, no, I love my father-in-law uh, wholeheartedly. And uh, uh, you know, just, just having that community around uh, to hype me up, you know, uh, they knew the conversation was happening that day, so they would text me or, they, you know, some of them called me and just were just helping me process, you know, hey, all right, so what are you going to say? What's the spiel? And I practiced my spiel on people over the phone, and it was, it was great. Needless to say, we've been married for about six and a half years, and, you know, I just praise God for everything that he's done, because he said yes. Just so you know, he said yes. Um, but let's get a little more serious, Right? Sometimes we need the right people in our lives to speak into us when we need it, when we're going to do more serious things like, uh, well, not that that's not serious, but uh, maybe uh, confronting someone who hurt you aiming for restitution, you know, aiming for reconciliation. Having the right people in your life in, in those moments uh, will, will help you be confident in what you're aiming to do, will help you be confident in, uh, and bold in, in actually approaching this uh, subject, because not many people do, and so it's, it's a very bold thing to do. Um, or needing uh, or, or having people, the right people in your life when you're walking through a very difficult season of life or maybe a difficult circumstance, whether it be that, uh, you know, through, through COVID-19, you know, uh, many, many have lost their job and you've just been praying, Lord, I need the right thing to come my way, God. And God, I'm going to do my part in seeking, but Lord, I'm trusting you to do your part in providing. You know, and it's one of those things where having the right people around you just uh, praying with you, coming alongside of you, walking with you and doing life with you through those difficult seasons is, is so key in getting you through those seasons. Knowing that there's someone in your corner cheering you on uh, who will be there for you through it all to, uh, can bring comfort, confidence, and boldness. Amen? What I'm trying to get at this morning and the truth that I'm wanting to illustrate as I move forward in today's message is that we today 
as believers in Jesus, can be confident and we can be bold and hopeful because we have someone who is always in our corner, amen? Who wants us to succeed and become who we were destined to be so much that he died for our sakes so we would not have to pay the penalty for our own sins and his name is Jesus. All we have to do is believe in him and accept him into our lives both as Lord and as Savior. Uh, Today, the title of today's message, as you can see on the screen, is He's Got You. And so what I need everybody to do is turn to the person that is next to you and say, He's got you. All right, all right. That was a little shaky. That was a little shaky. I want it it to be confident this morning. I want it to be nice and loud. I kind of want us to sound like like a choir for a moment, all right? So on the count of three, I want you to turn to the person next to you and just boldly proclaim in the confidence that we should have in Jesus. He's got you. Ready? One, two, three. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. Amen. Amen. He's got us. He's got us. How many of us can attest to the fact that there are moments, circumstances, and seasons in life that can be overwhelming? Right? Am I the only one again? All right, I'm putting my hand down. Man, I'm exposing myself up here. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, no, but we, we all have gone through overwhelming seasons of life and, and difficult seasons or, or moments in life. And it is in those moments where we need to remind ourselves just exactly who is for us uh, and, and the fact and, and what we mean to him as his children. Uh, there are two accounts in the Bible that I want us to look at today to, to speak this truth uh, into reality. The first being found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Chronicles chapters tw- uh, chapter 20. And I'll be, uh, I'll be reading uh, from 5 through 12. But real quick, to give you a little bit of a background of what's happening in 2 Chronicles 20. 2 Chronicles 20 is, is one of the books of the Bible where I find one of my life verses uh, in that I'll actually be reading today uh, when I get to it. But here's what's happening. Here's, here's the context of what's happening uh, in, in the tribe of Judah and in Israel in general. King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Try and say Jehoshaphat five times fast. Not now, later. Um, and so they're, they're at this place right now where they're at war. And if you, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll find that Israel is constantly at war. Constantly. They, they might have a season of, of, of peace, but I mean, Israel's armies, God's people's, uh, God's people's enemies were always coming against them. And this is an instant where three of Israel's enemies were coming against them. Uh, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Mayunites uh, all unified together to, to create this large army to come against the people of Judah and Israel. And uh, when Jehoshaphat learned that they were on their way and that this had happened, they had already crossed over. Um, they had already crossed over the Jordan and were so close that there was no time to react military-wise and have military strategy and have uh, the armies placed strategically to be prepared for uh, this this vast army that was coming against them. And so, with little time to prepare anything, he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. He told them, we are not going to eat. He, he even mentioned not even the livestock are going to eat. We are all going to pray. We are all going to seek the Lord and cry out to our Heavenly Father. And the Bible even says that uh, everybody, man, woman, child from the tribe of Judah came together to seek the Lord in this time. And he prays. And I want us to read his prayer in Second Chronicles 20, beginning in verse 5. 
And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Do you not, our God, drive, uh, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you uh, in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Verse 10, and now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let us, uh, you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive, uh, drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. And so when Israel was delivered from Egypt, the Lord was instructing them on the path that they were to take. And uh, one of the things that they did not do was invade other lands while they were being delivered because it wasn't the land that God had for them. And so um, he, here they are now, you know, gener generations after all this happens and the same enemies in which they bypassed are coming against them to reclaim this land that Israel uh, had been given to by God. And, and verse 12 is, is one of the passages, or at least a certain part of verse 12 is, is one of the verses that I would consider uh, one of my life verses that I often find myself praying and going to uh, when, I'm in, uh, when I'm in need or in, if I'm walking through a difficult season of life. Verse 12 says, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The first point in today's message is keep your focus on he who is with you always. Uh, I, isn't our God so cool? I think our God is so cool in that in the first service there was a message spoken out that had everything to do with today's message and then, I, I kid you not, it was almost at the same time in the service uh, there was another message that was given out today that has everything to do with today's message and it's an, it's an affirmation to me and a confirmation that God knows what he's doing, amen? God knows exactly what he is doing and so keep your focus on he who is with you always. How many of us have ever found ourselves echoing something similar to Jehoshaphat? Lord, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Man, I'm the only one again. All right, put my hands down. I'm going to stop raising my hands today. Uh, but I find myself often saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. I remember when Rachel and I first brought Judah home from the hospital. It was one of the scariest moments of my life. Uh, you know, when, when, you, when it's a niece or a nephew, you get to hang out a little bit, but then you give them back, right? And then when it's your own, where we, we come home from the hospital, Judah was born in Brooklyn uh, when we were still living in, in New York City. And uh, um, it was one of those things where we put him in his little, you know, rocker in our living room and, and I, we just sat and again, we've been home for like 20 minutes and we're just staring at him. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And those nurses and doctors let me go home with him. And, and, and I, I need to, 
take care of him? Uh, and, and, and it's one of those things where I came to the realization, you know, when you get married, you know, your life is no longer your own. You know, you have uh, someone else to be considerate of and you are one together. Uh, but Rachel knows how to take care of herself. She knows how to feed herself and all that stuff. And then, you know, you have a kid and it's like, this child depends on me totally to live. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. And then we, then we had the great idea, hey, let's have another one. Um, and I just find myself saying, God, I don't know what to do, but constantly throughout it, but I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust the community that you have placed us in so that we can ask questions and we can learn and grow. I'm going to trust that he's going to sustain us, give us grace and mercy as we continue to learn. And uh, am I the best parent in the world after learning? No, I'm still learning. And I'm, I'm still uh, getting everything that I can from those who have been doing it a lot longer than I am. But the main thing is I, I, I often find myself in, in positions or seasons of life where I'm just crying out to God, God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I don't know what to do in this moment. But my eyes are on you. Why is it important for us to keep Christ in perspective always? Because he is the source of our strength. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is Jehovah Rapha, our God, our healer. It is in him that our hope is found. The hope that we have in Jesus to one day be with him forever in a place where uh, there's no more sickness, there's no more heartache, there's no more tears of sadness. Why? Because we are in the physical presence of our Lord and Savior. Why is it always important to uh, look to Jesus always? Because he always has the final say. Amen? How many of us are grateful that God always has the final say and that nothing ever catches him by surprise? I feel like sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of that truth that God always has the final say and nothing ever catches him by surprise. Uh, years ago, it's seven, almost eight years, in, years ago now, when I had uh, a major uh, head injury, uh, which is why I have this scar on, on, my, uh, on my face, um, this was one of those moments where uh, I, I praise God for forever. I'll praise God till, till my last breath forever for, and it's a constant physical reminder to me of God's goodness and the fact that he's the one who has the final say. Because when this accident happened, the EMTs, when I was in the ambulance, called in what happened, uh, and they were basically getting surgeons and doctors ready because they were expecting the worst. And when I was wheeled into the hospital room uh, after, after this accident, uh, they, they ran all sorts of tests before they could stitch me up or do anything. They had to do CAT scans, a couple of CAT scans. They had to do um, x-rays and all that stuff. And they were just dumbfounded at how in good of condition I was based off of what I had just experienced. Uh, they, you know, I had, I had well over uh, 300 to 400 pounds of pressure come crashing down right on my face. And they told me, you should be dead, but you, you should at least be in worse condition than you are right now. And I was talking with them back and forth, and even one of the nurses uh, told me, from the moment you were wheeled into this room, it's as if there was a presence with you that let me know you were going to be fine, that you were going to be okay. And it's a testament in my life that God always has the final say. When our time comes, it's because he said so, not because circumstances, situations, or accidents, or whatever it may be, say so, right? 
and nothing ever catches him by surprise. And that to me, spe- speaking back and forth with that nurse, by the way, I walked out of the hospital like two hours later, uh, uh, was, was such an encouragement for me in my faith and in her faith for her to just be able to discern that and share that with me. Uh, and it was just one of those moments where I just said, okay, God, I'm in it till the end. God, I'm in it till the end. God always has the final say. And I'm able to face life's trials obstacles and valley seasons when I am constantly reminding myself of what the Bible says about me, who I am to God, and the hope that I have in Jesus. Uh, one of the things that I've been praying about for the last like 14 to 15 months uh, is um, my dad currently lives in Rhode Island. And one of the things that we have been praying for, uh, because my dad is alone in Rhode Island where I'm, I, I'm his closest relative living in New York. I have three sisters uh, and we, we live literally spread out, Colorado, Texas, Puerto Rico. And, um, and um, one of the things that I've been praying about is for my dad to be able to move uh, close to me, you know, so that he can, uh, I can be with him, he can be with me, but then also that he can be around his grandkids and just have some family around. And COVID really put a stop to that. And it's been really difficult the last 14 to 15 months watching my dad struggle with things like depression, anxiety, and just those low seasons of feeling lonely, uh, especially where he lives. My dad is a Vietnam War veteran and uh, he gets HUD housing. He lives in a, an elderly housing community that uh, has uh, availability for apartments for HUD housing. And um, it's just been difficult to see that struggle and walk with him through that struggle. And we've been praying, praying, praying. It's been a long, almost year and a half of us just praying and seeking the Lord. But we knew that we needed to keep our eyes on Jesus. We knew that in him our hope is found and we just needed to trust God and trust that God uh, was, was, was at work. And two weeks ago, we finally just got the phone call that my dad has been approved to move to Syracuse. Uh, he's, he's moving up here. Um, January 1st is his first day in his new apartment, and the, the cool thing about it is, is there were multiple options, but there was one best option. And I'm like, God, I don't want the other options. God, I want the best option. And my dad is moving into Bishop Ludden, which is two minutes up the road from Grace Assembly of God. And so it's, it's one of those things where we prayed specifically, we, we sought after God, and like, uh, even through all the craziness of life this past year and a half, for just these last two weeks, I've been able to rest in that good news. Uh, that my dad uh, has been approved. And so we praise God for that. I'm able to walk through the difficult seasons of life. Why? Because of the hope that I have in Jesus. When we feel like we are in the trenches and surrounded and overwhelmed by life, what you focus on will be the thing that has direct power over you. Amen? I'm going to say that one more time. When we feel like we're going through the valley seasons of life, when we're in the trenches and we feel like we're fighting a maybe physical war, maybe emotional, mental war, in spiritual war, What we focus on in those seasons will be the thing that has the greatest influence of power over our lives. If we are focusing on how big the problem uh, is and it's the only thing that we are keeping in view, then we're going to have the tendency of forgetting how big or rather how much bigger our God is and that if he is for you, uh, who can be against you? Amen? I like to read that passage of scripture a little differently. If God is for you and you know it and you live your life according to his will, if God is for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Amen? The second point in today's message is know whose you are. We're constantly in a state of discovery, uh, trying to discover who we are in Christ and growing in our identity in the Lord. And uh, when we are growing in God, or rather we are always growing in God, one of the most important things that we need to do is ask questions. 
We need to ask hard questions and not just ask questions and not really pursue the answers or uh, half-heartedly do them, uh, pursue the answers, but if we ask questions, seek the answers for them. Uh, and and one, of the, one of the things that we see uh, people in, in today's day and age constantly doing is, who am I? What's my identity? Uh, uh, you know, who, who am I? And, and in Christ, uh, I believe that we ask that question over and over and over again, and I think we're asking the wrong question. I think the right question to ask as we discover who we are is whose we are. Whose am I? Not who am I, but whose am I? Because as we continue to discover uh, who our God is as creator, that we've been created in his image and likeness, that he loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. As we continuously discover whose we are, we also discover who we are in Jesus as the sons and daughters of the living God. And so you can walk confidently knowing that God is for you, that you are his. The second account that I want us to look at today is found in 2 Kings uh, and I said the wrong verses earlier, but uh, beginning in verse 13. And so let me give you a little bit of context of what's happening here. We're going to read through a couple of verses, and then we're going to tie these two uh, biblical accounts together. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Aram, who was a, a, an enemy of Israel, was waging war against Israel. While planning, uh, the king of Aram would tell his servants what his military strategies were and where the camps would be and what they were going to do to come against the people of Israel. And he made plans to attack and ambush the Israelite army. But the prophet Elisha was for the people of Israel. The prophet Elisha was for the people of God. And every time uh, king Ar- uh, the king of Aram made plans to come against them and to attack them and to, do, to cause them harm, the Lord would then inform uh, the prophet Elisha the, the plans to, to the detail so that Israel was able to respond and thwart uh, any, any plans of attack that they had. And when, when this kept happening, the king of Aram was furious, so furious, you know, everything was, you know, Israel was responding in detail to everything that he, he thought that he had a spy uh, in his ranks. He thought that he had a spy amongst his servants that was informing Israel as to what was happening. And his servants uh, assured him, there is no spy amongst your people. Rather, Israel has the prophet Elisha who is, let, who is being informed by their God uh, to what our plans are. I'm a very logical guy. And if I'm the king over a nation and I discover that uh, another, king, uh, another nation's God is telling them in detail what my plans are without somebody, you know, I'd be a little intimidated by that and I would be a little hesitant as to what, what the God of these people can do besides inform them, but uh, blinded, uh, blinded in, in his rage and, uh, and just his way of life and not believing that uh, the God of Israel is the one true God, uh, he, he reacted and let's read verses 13 to 17 to see how he reacted. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 13, says, And he said, Go and see where he is, that being the prophet Elisha, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, uh, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army, of, uh, an army with horses and chariots uh, was all, all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, uh, what shall we do? He said, 
Uh, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are far more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha's confidence was not found in and of himself. Amen? It came from a place of knowing whose he was. Throughout uh, this entire uh, account, Elisha could be perceived as confident because he understood who God is. Amen? And, and when you operate from this place of confidence, knowing who God is, you're able to, yes, face difficult seasons of life. Yes, our flesh worries, but God, my eyes are on you. Amen? God, my eyes are on you. Both Jehoshaphat and Elisha knew to turn to God in their situations. How? Because they knew whose they were and all that that entailed and what God does for his people, what what the Lord says that he will do for his people. If I could have the worship team come up. Corey Ten Boom tells a true story of a young Englishman who was held prisoner in a German prison camp for a long period of time during World War II. One day he read Psalm 91 and fell to his knees in prayer. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Father in heaven, he prayed, I see all these men dying around me one after the other. Will I also have to die here? I am still young and I very much want to work in your kingdom. God spoke to his heart. And what God said was, rely on what you have just read and go home. Can you imagine that? You're literally in the middle of a German prison camp in World War II. You read Psalm 91, which again says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And God responds just by simply saying, rely on what you have just read and go home. I don't know about you, but I would be a little hesitant at first. It's one of those moments where you kind of need to trust that the word of God is the word of God. Amen? That you need to trust that God is God and that God is for you and knowing that he's got you. Trusting God, the young Englishman got up and walked into the corridor uh, towards the gate and a guard called out, prisoner, where are you going? I am under the protection of the Most High, he replied. And the guard came to attention and let him pass because Adolf Hitler was known as the Most High. The man came to the gate where a group of guards stood and they commanded him to stop and asked him where he was going again. I am under the protection of the Most High, the Englishman replied. And all the guards stood as, uh, at attention as the prisoner literally walked out of that prison gate. The English officer made his way through the German countryside and eventually reached England where he told of how he made his escape. He was the only prisoner to ever survive that prison camp in World War II. Did the, English know, did the Englishman know exactly what God was up to at that time? No. Did Jehoshaphat know exactly what God was up to in the midst of his circumstance and trial? No. Did Elisha know exactly what God was up to in the midst of his circumstance and trial when he was quite literally surrounded and engulfed by his enemies? No. 
They may not know what God was up to, but they, know who God, they knew who God was. And they were able to have confidence knowing that he had them. He had them in the midst of their situation. Point number three in today's message is, God is always working whether you see it or not. The servant in, in the account from 2 Kings found himself being fearful and overcome with, with anxieties and, and feeling overwhelmed because he, he was able to see that they were literally surrounded. Now imagine it's literally just Elisha and the servant surrounded by enemies and maybe a few others, not an army. He's overcome with fear. And Elisha has the audacity to not make it seem like it's a big deal. He says, stop being worried. And I'm like, stop being worried. You're the one who got us in this mess. You're the one who put us in this position. And he was afraid because he couldn't see what God was up to. And then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Whether, whether we are able to see what God is up to in our lives or not does not affect whether God is up to something, whether God is working or not, because he is working whether we realize it or not. And, and there will come a time when we put our trust and hope in him that we'll be able to look back in hindsight and say, I'm able to now see the subtlety of how God operated in my life during that season for me to get to the place of provision. Kind of like what Pastor Doug was talking about last week, we don't know when God's provision in our lives are going to intersect, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen. It doesn't mean that it won't happen. We just need to be patient and walk our lives out in faith, trusting that he who is for us, uh, he, uh, that he will rather uh, see this to the day of completion, that he is for us, who can be against us, that we just need to have faith and not keep our eyes on the midst of our circumstances and our trials and our bad news that we receive from the doctor, but rather, like King Jehoshaphat prayed, Lord, I don't know what to do. It's a very honest prayer. In fact, before that, he said, God, we are powerless against this vast army who is coming against us. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. God desires us to succeed and become who he has created us to be and brought back to us in right relationship with him so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. This season of Thanksgiving, we have a lot to be thankful for, church. Amen? We have a lot to be thankful for. Both Elisha and Jehoshaphat and the Englishman knew whose they were. And so to wrap things up uh, today, before we enter into a quick time of worship to close things up, because I just feel like worship would be a very appropriate way to end today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today you don't know whose you are. Maybe today this is the first time, whether you're here or you're watching online, where you've heard someone say, he's got you. He's got you. Or maybe today you're here and you, you can admit that you've been wandering a little bit, that you've gone astray some, and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit drawing you back to the Lord. Conviction is a good thing, church, because conviction leads us back to his grace. Conviction leads us back to his arms, which in the reality in Christ is forgiveness and mercy. And so if you're here today and you're wanting to make that decision to either for the very first time turn to Jesus and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior in your life, or you're saying, I've gone astray a little bit and I want to come back home to my first love, to my heavenly father.